And uh, as we do that, I'd encourage you, because uh, today you're going to drink from a fire hose a little bit, a little unusual, but if you haven't, there's some notes in the back, right on that back table. So you can have that so you don't have to t- race along too far uh, to follow along with what uh, we're doing here. So I'll let them transition out. And um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 5. We'll land there for most of the day, Lord willing. <laughs> uh, if you've uh, grown up with any kind of TV or activities or movies, you know there's uh, there are movies like Angels in the Outfield or Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon was on when I grew up and he'd walk around, he was an angel. And then there's that big series, uh, Touched by an Angel. And so it's something we like to talk about and think about. Uh, you know, do you have your own guardian angel? And uh, on the other side of the coin, you can go to the movie theaters and any given sampling in any month, and you wouldn't believe how many horror or suspense movies there are out there. A movie's designed to, to scare us and be intense, and, and they often represent evil and spirits and ghosts and demons. And the question is, are those things real? <laughs> is there a physical world and a spiritual world? Um, what do we need to know about this? And we need to look at it and understand that uh, the goal this morning is not to uh, shock or blame or scare you. The goal is to look at, like, what does God's Word have to say about our world? That's where we start. That's uh, where we go to. That's our litmus test to get our perspective on this world. Uh, I can I even think about different missionary stories where missionaries were out in the uh, jungle or in a certain area and uh, they were getting ready to come under attack at night. And uh, the attackers came while they were sleeping and saw they were surrounded by guards. They woke up in the morning, they had no guards, but a church back here was praying for them at that exact hour. And the number of people praying was the number of angels that they said were around guarding them. And you wonder, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Is it real? And uh, today we, we are wearing, I'm wearing green, St. Patrick's Day. And, uh, you know, St. Patrick, uh, the, as the story goes, the teenager was kidnapped taken to a a foreign country and forced into slavery, feeding pigs. We're going to talk a lot of pigs today in our stories. So, Um, Feeding pigs. And and he heard from God. He said, your ship is awaiting you. God or an angel spoke to him. He escaped and boarded a ship to France. But then many years later, he heard another voice and just felt God compelling him to go back to the very land he was tortured in to serve the people. We hear these stories of things that aren't tangible, touchable, the spirit world. And we want to know, how should we go about handling them? How should we look at this? And so, as we open up to Mark chapter 5 and we look at this story, it says this. It says, they came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. And When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, 
a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he was wrenched. He would wrench the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the mountains, he was crying out, cutting himself with the stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. It's a pretty crazy scene, isn't it? And it goes on to say, For he was saying... In saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And as Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, and rushed down the steep bank into the sea where they were drowned. As we come to the Gospels, we often look at these stories and we're like, we can easily pass by them, but then we have to stop and say, is, do we believe this? <laughs> this guy could break chains. We see this in superhero movies, but breaking chains, shattering shackles, many demons in him go into this, all of these pigs and rush down the side of a hill. And often we just glance by and Jesus cast out a demon. The the disciples encountered a demon and we just walk by these. And so today I thought it'd be appropriate to to step uh, aside for a moment and say, what do we believe about this? We're going to read this over and over in the gospel of Jesus' encounters with demons. What what is it we believe? Uh, What is it that we see in God's word about these things? And so... As we look at this, we need to start to dig in and ask our question, what is the origin of evil? So what, where did evil come from? The world, if you're a humanist or an evolutionist or maybe a psychology or psychiatry, if you look into those things, ultimately, then we should be getting better at this. If we're evolving and becoming better and better uh, and higher form of ourselves, shouldn't we have it figured out by now? And yet evil still runs rampant in our world, doesn't it? There's still just horrific things going on that we do to one another. And on another level, though, each of us has evil in us. And we know it. We, we have bad thoughts about people. We get angry. We say things that hurt other people. We do things that hurt other people. And yeah, it's not as bad as the worst case, but we know it's part of our world, hurt and pain and suffering, and we even cause it in different ways to one another. And so, what does Scripture say about evil and about what is going on? And why can't we make enough laws and rules in our societies to contain evil? Our prisons are always full, and they always have been since prisons were invented Well, we know that God created male and female to have a relationship with him. We are created uniquely in God's image. 
and uh, placed in the garden with a choice to love the Lord and follow him because love and relationship is ultimately a choice. We have a choice of how we're going to respond to God. And so in that choice, we have the opportunity to believe in God and respond to him. But the Bible also teaches us um, that in Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we know that at some point, God created angels. They're created by him and for him, for his glory, to worship him and to serve him. And the Bible teaches us that sometime before the Garden of Eden, the angels were created, and there's a certain angel, Lucifer, or Satan as we know him. In Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, many believe those passages um, have a contemporary context that they were in, but also point us to Satan and maybe his position of worship. In Revelations 12, we, we also read that Satan took with him about a third of the angels when he rebelled against God and he wanted to be worshipped himself. And so we understand there is a spiritual world of angels and demons, as they are called, fallen angels. But the root of all evil is sin. And both the angels and humans have chosen to sin against God. And so we must ask ourselves, what is indeed sin? Um, and so as we look at that and we ask ourselves that, um, I have a couple definitions there. there in your notes from different sources. But sin is any personal lack of conformity to the moral character or law of God. It's for all have fallen short of the glory of God, his holiness, perfectness. Um, John Piper says it this way, sinning is um, any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that doesn't treasure God over all other things. So somebody could go and not do anything really bad, but if you don't acknowledge God as the creator, then that's a sin. To omit him from your life is a sin. And so... With this basic understanding, we understand that the first sin really took place in the heavenly realm with Satan. And he was cast down. And he tempted the first man and woman to not believe what God said. To not trust what God had given them. To not follow God's rules and saying, well, you'll have the knowledge of God. You'll become like God. And they took that bait. And they sinned. And thus, evil entered our world. And the curse impacts the land, the ground, the storms that we have, the relationship with animals that God created, and our relationship with one another. I truly believe that Christianity, that the, the Bible, has the only answer for the root of sin and where it has come from. And, as we'll see, how to deal with it. And so when we say the root of all sin is, is of all evil is sin, this is huge for our understanding of everything around us. And it's the answer we don't want to hear, but it does change everything. And that's why we want to try and have a foundation this morning to understand what's going on around our world. And the good news is that God, from that very moment sin entered the world, so loved us 
that he set into motion a plan of rescue for you and I. And from that moment, he said, ultimately, Satan, you are going to be defeated. You are going to be crushed. You are going to be taken out. Now, for Satan and his demons, God chose not to give that chance. For whatever reason, I, I, I don't have, the Bible doesn't tell me, so I don't know what happened in that circumstance. But it says this in Peter, for God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains, gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. Um, that is their fate. Um, that is the fate of the angels. We can also read in Jude 6, it says, The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling to go with Satan, he has kept in eternal chains in gloomy darkness for the day of judgment. Uh, there's a scene, one of my favorite scenes, actually in the new Star Wars trilogy, um, where this, these new characters, Ray and Finn, are, they connect finally, and Han Solo and Chewbacca show up. And they're like, we've heard all these rumors and myths about the dark force and the, the light side and Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and all of these things. And he just looks at them and he says, it's true, all of it. And this morning I want to tell you that we look at the spiritual battlefield, angels and demons, and I want to tell you it's true. I believe it's true. All of it is true. It is real. C.S. Lewis says, when you come to this realization that the Christians can handle it in one of two ways, he says, there are two equal and opposite errors when our uh, race can fall, uh, where a race can fall about the devils and demons of this world. He says one is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we want to find a balance in there. We don't want to ignore that part of the world, but we also don't want to be so uh, intrigued by it that we pursue it in an unhealthy manner uh, above and beyond the truth of Scripture. And this world that we live in is a spiritual battlefield. But I want you to know this, it's only a battlefield because God allows it to be. And that's a hard part is he could have chosen to rescue angels, given them another shot. Uh, he also could have chosen to condemn us, rightfully so, because of our sin and inhumanity. But he chose to rescue us by his divine plan. And sometimes I really, I just don't understand that, but I know it's the truth. And I know that somehow God gets more glory by rescuing us and then making us rescuers. And by showing over and over, as we're going to see today, that we have victory through the Holy Spirit in us over Satan. And we have access to that victory over sin in our lives. And so God in his abounding love chose from that moment to to rescue us. Now, as we move on and we, and we begin to look into um, the uh, spiritual battlefield that is before us, uh, one of the uh, most well-known passages that helps us to understand this truth is laid out in Ephesians 6. And uh, many of us know it as the armor of God. And it says this, uh, it says, uh, finally, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. It's right there (laughs) in black and white. Um, We battle against evil, against spiritual forces. There is a spiritual battlefield going on. And so when Jesus came and entered into the earth and then entered into ministry after 30 years, we know that Jesus is God's son. And he has always been. And so when the demons encountered him, they knew who he was. And continually he would have them not proclaim it because he knew he had ministry to do. He didn't want to accelerate the calendar. But when they saw him, this, all of a sudden we get a, a better understanding, don't we, of Jesus entering the scene and this guy who nobody could touch. They were scared of. Screams in fear. Because the demons knew the authority of Jesus Christ. They knew Jesus' power. And as we look at this, we have this recognition here, even by the spiritual leaders of the time, that there are demons in existence. Even by the people, it was commonly known. And they were confused by Jesus' authority over the demons. But as we return here to Mark 5, we now have a new perspective, right, of understanding the, the battlefield that's going on of these demons that are encountering in, in several of them in, inside of this man. Um, and so what are the actual powers of Satan and his demons? What is it we know about them? I think sometimes we can, because of movies and, and things that we hear about, we can ascribe to them some strengths that maybe they don't have. And we can sometimes be in situations and forget blaming people or getting angry at situations and realize, hold on, we have a spiritual enemy here. We need to stop and pray. Because there's more going on here than meets the eye. And so we've got to have a balance there to look at it. And yet, um, I want to start off with what they're not. Okay? They are not able to be everywhere at every moment. They're not omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. I believe that Satan is limited. Now, he can roam the earth, it says, but he roams. He's not just all over the earth. Only God is everywhere all the time. Um, They're not all-knowing. They don't know the day God's going to return. They don't have that bit of information. And sometimes I think it can feel like Satan is (laughs) all-knowing. But he's been around studying human behavior since uh, the dawn of creation. And so I think he knows And the demons know and understand human nature really well. They've studied us. (laughs) And it can seem like he knows what we're going to do, but he sees the pattern of sin in our own hearts, our own sinful desires. And he tries to play to that. He's not all-powerful. We're going to see that today. He is not all-powerful. He is limited in what he can do. He's only able to operate. Demons are only able to operate as God allows Now, you can see some stories within the Scripture. Um, Job, we read of um, Peter being allowed to be tested. And so we can read and see these opportunities, especially in Job where he goes before God. 
and ask for opportunities to take out Job and prove he's not really committed to the Lord. We also read that Satan stands before God. He's the accuser, accusing believers day and night. And Jesus says, I died for them. They're covered, they're covered, they're covered. And so we understand that these are what they are not uh, able to do. It's important to know that they are in a box, even though it may not feel like it at times. Now, perhaps the most scary of all things that we see on the TV is, and on movies is demon possession. And uh, we were talking about it in our elder meeting, prepping for this, about what we believe. And I remember uh, in Grand Junction, uh, we grew up, and that's when the movie The Exorcist came out. And one of the first big screen uh, special effects to show the impact of somebody demon-possessed and head spinning around and all those kind of crazy things. And, um, and uh, uh, Pastor John, Dad, he... Uh, they did some ministry after that movie and they encountered a lot of things. They said, wow, sometimes the evil was more than they were prepared to see. Um, and so what is demon possession? It's the direct control by a demon or demons of an individual um, residing in him or her. That's what we see in this passage and throughout some of the scriptures with little kids, with adults, men and women. And in this case, it's multiple demons then we also see that they are cast into and apparently can possess animals. Um, when I thought of that, yes, you know, yesterday I ran in the St. Patrick's Day race and when they had the 5,000 pigs rushing down the hill at the start of this race with like 1,200 people, that's in my mind I was thinking of all the pigs running along, but um, not that people were pigs, but it just felt like that. They're so crowded and I'm like, ah, oh, that's what happens when you're studying different passages, you get weird thoughts. But... Um, they can indwell humans and animals. Now, the second part that we often don't recognize is this huge category called demon or demonic influence. Uh, that is uh, the activity of demons and Satan in this world. Now, first and foremost, among all of their activities, Satan is called the father of lies. He started with a lie in the garden. He lies, lies, lies. He lies to the other angels about who God is. He is the father of lies. He is the deceiver. And so lies are the foundation of everything they want to do in their influence. Uh, they want to tempt people. We read about that throughout the scriptures to entice towards sin. Jesus began his ministry before he launched out into preaching and was directly face to face with Satan in the desert being tempted by Satan to sin, to not trust God, to take uh, authority on his own, to give himself power. Uh, in Corinthians, we know that demons and Satan, they want to initiate false worship of false gods, false religions. Uh, they also want to um, promote false doctrine. And that's taking teaching of scripture about Jesus Christ and twisting it just enough it's just like a little angle. You shift that angle just enough, and over time, what started off as just a few degrees off, over time is way off. We see that in cults and religions such as uh, uh, Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses. They just try to tweak one thing about the nature of Christ, and everything goes askew from there in their teachings and their walk. Um, uh, they encourage idolatry. Um, they sent deceptive prophets in the Old Testament. Um, 
And then there also seems to be some limited power demonstrated in the Bible where demons show and they physically afflict people um, and hurt people and harm people, especially those who are demon-possessed. Uh, we also know that uh, through Second Thessalonians and Revelation, there's verses that show that demons, uh, there, there's some sort of power to do some miraculous or what look like miraculous signs from God, but they're not from God. And so there's some limited power there that can make people think God is at work. But if you look cre- closer, Christ isn't being glorified at all. <laughs> He's not the center of anything. And you have to question where the power for that is coming from. Uh, you know, and, and people ask, well, what about ghosts? And I say, well, the Bible's pretty clear that once it doesn't allow spirits to come back, it doesn't seem, but demons could easily impersonate. There's an evil influence out there. So there is a spirit world active, and people who don't know the Lord, of course, would label it as perhaps a ghost. Satan then also uh, spends time, as I said earlier, accusing believers. Um, trying to diminish the power of the gospel and the work of Christ. And so, uh, one verse says this, it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them day and night before our God. All of this activity (laughs) is designed to take us away from God. It's designed to, they hope, thwart God's plans. It's designed to pull people away from Christ, to detract from who Christ is. Now, I believe this. I believe that followers of Jesus, once you've accepted Jesus Christ, we're in a new age of where the Holy Spirit has come. And if we trusted Jesus Christ for our salvation and forgiveness of sins, we now have God in us. This is new throughout all of history. When Jesus came and rose again, he said, you will do greater things. The greater things is the Holy Spirit in us, changing us. You know, they accused Jesus of being demon-possessed, and he said, listen, God and Satan can't coexist together. A strong man would have to bind, uh, somewhat, bind Satan to be able to go into his house. A uh, man wouldn't, uh, a house can't stand divided, he said. And so we also have the Holy Spirit in us. We cannot be demon possessed, is my belief that believers cannot. How can the Holy Spirit coexist with evil? Now, <laughs> demonic influence is all around us, and often we can ascribe one for the other. Our human nature is evil. We can ascribe. Uh, make excuses like that was a demon in me when it was really you need to own up to your bad choices and so that's a hard path to walk and figure out but we need to understand where that power lies and so uh, Jesus said this um, well interestingly I, I think in the gospels and acts as we move forward we see these direct encounters with Jesus and demons and then we see his disciples have encounters sometimes they weren't strong enough to overcome Even after Jesus uh, ascended, there were demons they couldn't overcome. And he said, well, this one's only overcome by prayer or faith. And as we move forward in the New Testament, there's some powerful teachings. I believe the focus begins to shift on uh, towards what our victory is and our tools are in this spiritual battle. 
And God begins to lay out some triumphant truths for us as we face these situations. And some of these truths are truly, uh, they are life-changing truths. And so the triumphant truths that we can face and we can know are these. Uh, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is a promise from God. We can resist temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, the world, he's saying. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater and he's in you. God is in you and he is greater than he who is in the world. We've got to believe these things. These are truths. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Neither death nor life, angels, angels nor rulers, things present nor to things to come, nor powers can separate us, nor height nor depth, anything in all creation can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. That is the power of this cross in the gospel. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so what are the tools we have for this battle? Well, we, we can read of many of the tools that we have are within the scriptures. They're lined out, and I, I laid them out there uh, in your notes, uh, some of these uh, triumphant uh, tools that we have that we can use. We need to uh, be able to trust in the Lord. And so it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's where it begins. Not be strong in yourself. You can do it. It says, be strong in the Lord and what? In the strength of whose might? His might. It's his might, his victory that we trust in, his blood, his forgiveness. He is the one that has control. And so, uh, in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that um, it's not no trial has overtaken you that is common to man, but God is faithful. He won't give you more than you can bear it. It says in 1 Corinthians, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. God's not going to put you in a situation where you can't get out of that temptation. You have nothing to do but sin. He's going to provide a way out. Now, Part of this is a learning curve. I have seen the way out after I have sinned. <laughs> I'll look back. That moment, God gave me a way out. Before I said that, he gave me the opportunity, and I didn't take it. <laughs> so we have a choice still to make. We have to follow the Lord. Take that way out. So sometimes the way out of temptation or demonic influence or things that are going on is to flee is to escape, to take the way out, to remove yourself from a situation so you're not going to be there and be caught in that. Escape and endure uh, temptation. And then relying on God's power and might. And then we also can put on God's armor. And this is a whole sermon in itself. <laughs> but... Within this passage in Ephesians 6, I just want to point out a, a few things here, and that is that we are to pray. <laughs> we are to 
pray. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, and it extinguishes the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our only weapon. Um, Praying at all times in the Spirit, it says in verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is more powerful than we'll ever know or imagine. Even if you're in the direct encounter and situation where somebody could be demonically possessed or influenced, prayer is our weapon. He looked at the disciples after the transfiguration, which we'll see in a few weeks, and he said, this kind of demon can only be defeated by praying, praying, praying. Prayer matters. Praying for protection, praying for intersection from the Lord, uh, praying um, that God would return, that God would have victory, that God would help you to overcome. And so we need to go before the Lord. But then we also need to personally connect with Jesus through God's Word. How are we going to know what is true and not true if we're not in God's Word? How are we going to use our sword? If we never pick it up. (laughs) God's word is vital, but it's also vital that we don't disconnect it as just some tool, but it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Placing our trust, belief, and hope in the promises of God that we just looked at. Knowing the truth about who we are. Knowing the truth about evil and what its limits are. Helps us to see the world rightly and to battle and not to live in fear. And then pursuing God's mission, this is perhaps the most vexing thing for all of Satan and his demons is when we pursue the mission of God. Now, if you want an interesting read, I would recommend the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a pretty creative mind. He wrote this book by an uncle demon to... uh, Wormwood uh, writing, screw tape writing to Wormwood about how to become a demon. And it's an interesting look from their perspective at what they do to encounter Christians. Uh, A couple things that they said. um, One of the things they said is that um, once you can get a person thinking that religion is all very well up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. Moderate religion is good for us as no religion and all the more amusing when we get people just to go along. In other words, get people to think, I've got it figured out. I attend church. Check off the box. I'm a Christian culturally, but never really personally follow Jesus Christ, deal with sin, just be comfortable with religious activity or saying, oh, there are many different religions. You can believe whatever you want. And then they say this, probably the most famous quote, one of them, is that it's, he depicts the life of demons and, and how they try to tempt humans. And in, in these letters he said, it's an amazing point of view that shows the power of the gospel. And uh, uh, he says this in this quote, Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring but intending to do our enemy's will, the enemy being God, looks at this universe and sees no trace of God and seems that God has vanished and asked why he has been forsaken by God and yet still follows him and obeys. 
when we look at this world and we're overwhelmed by evil and we don't understand what's going on, especially in other countries where Christians are tortured, when somebody goes and murders people, when that impacts our family, when evil or violence comes against us, and we say, I'm going to trust in God anyway, there's a victory the world doesn't understand and that Satan is frustrated and finds it futile that he cannot control. <laughs> and I find it amazing here. I love the end of this story. It's the people come out and this man who's been tortured and screaming and cutting himself is healed. And what's their response? Get away, Jesus. You ruined our pigs. And this man's like, I just want to be with you because I was in torture for years. I just want to be with you, Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, Christianity, you know, following me, it's not about just following me and going and shutting yourself in a house. Go back to your community. Tell them what I did for you. Share my story and your story. That's why we remain here <laughs> in the midst of this, in the spiritual battle. Jesus says, I died on the cross for you. I want you to share my story. I want you to battle, battle well. It's going to be hard. But there's a reward beyond our imagination. And he sends us out. I, I haven't had a ton of personal encounters. and a lot of missionaries and on the field. You, often Satan, I believe, uh, uses that fear control in our society. I think he's more subtle in how he works. Um, but when we're in prison ministry, I tell you, this verse just ring out true to me when they described screaming at night. We were in Old Folsom Prison, Johnny Cash. I told this before we started to go into one, and we just all felt weird. No other way to describe it. It just felt heavy. We were getting ready to go in, and then boom, shots were being fired. They threw us into this uh, room that was sealed off with bulletproof glass, canceled all our games, came and got us, and there was... Somebody pulled a shiv in the courtyard. There was a fight, and it was tear gas there launching into it. And uh, so they just took us to the dorm room. It's like a gym like this, twice the size, all bunk beds and showers just in the middle of it. And I was like, well, we're here. Let's share the gospel. And it was intense. <laughs> we had a guy come up. He said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You don't want to be in this place at night because it's screaming. Guys cutting themselves and weird noises. And we just felt it that day. It was it was crazy. You looked at people and you just saw they weren't there. It was evil. And when we talked about Jesus Christ, the re anger towards us was palpable. <laughs> and yet, we just said, you group of guys, go over there and you just pray. You three, come over here and share. And that's what we did in the midst of that darkness. So, I want to end with some things here that I want you to know you need to expect evil in the world. Expect that it's there. But you need to endure it. Love bears all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The love of Christ can help us with that. We can give thanks. Give thanks that God works through all things. The most evil things that have been intended, even the cross God used for his glory and our good. And we, trust me, I don't see it all the time in the midst of it, how it's going to be used. Some things we won't know until we get to heaven, but God uses it. Hate evil. It says, let love be genuine in Romans. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 
it's okay to hate evil and to be angry at it or righteous anger and be frustrated with it in this world. Pray for escape from evil for yourself, for your kids, for each other, that we would be able to recognize temptation and flee from it. Expose evil. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose it. Ephesians 5.11. Overcome evil with good. It says, do not become over... Oh, it says, do not become... Over, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The good works God has prepared for you. And resist evil. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. But I want you to remember, never despair. Don't let yourself get in that place. That's why we have to have community. Don't get in that place where you're like, God is absent. God doesn't care about me. Evil is always winning because it can feel that way in this battle. Don't despair. God is working things according to the counsel of his will. Never get the sense that because of random evil, life is absurd and meaningless. Remember that God's ways are unsearchable. His judgments are inscrutable. We can trust him for in him and through him all things were made for his glory. He is in control. He is in control. Never yield to the thought that God sins or causes sin or is unrighteous in any way. He is righteous in all his ways, perfect and pure and trustworthy. And never got doubt that God is for you in Christ. He is for you. God is for you. He is on your side, defending you day and night. The rescue has happened. The victory is won. Sometimes we have to remember that. It doesn't feel like it, but the victory is won in Christ Jesus. He took our place. Every punishment we deserved on the cross is our substitute. And he said, you will do greater things than these. You can withstand evil. You can recognize it. You can battle it. Be encouraged. And I know it's interesting to hear about this and you wonder how it's working in our world and you see the schemes of the devil playing out in our countries getting more intense all the time. But know that the battle is the Lord's and triumph is ours. Trust in him. Don't live in fear. You don't have to because that is the power of God. It's one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures, one of Rachel's as well. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. We don't have to live in fear. We have the power to be self-controlled in the face of sin, but we also have the power to love people, even those who are possessed, who are struggling, who are far from God, who hurt us. And that, to me, is a victory verse that you need to memorize. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide us and help us to see the world rightly. <laughs> but it's called a spiritual battle for a reason, and battle and war is tough. We see it in the physical world, but there's a battle going on spiritually. That's why we're as a church, Lord, we're committed to pray for the lost, because we know that battle begins with that spiritual prayer over hearts of people who are far from you. And when we struggle 
with our choices and with sin, we've got to pray, we've got to talk to you, we've got to realize that you've given us the power. We're no longer dead in our sins, but we can overcome sin by trusting in you. And we can grow, and you can take our sin and the mistakes we've made and make them into a ministry that impacts others. And Lord, it's sobering, and honestly, it is scary to think about the dominion of evil. And I thank you that as we look at it realistically, we know that you have complete control and authority. And just as you healed this demoniac, this Gadarene man, that uh, there's healing out there for people, and there's healing for us, and there's hope. Help us to live with hope, to focus on hope. Because you did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. May we experience that love and power and fearlessness this week. May we live it out in our lives and say, I'm on mission for Christ. I'm not afraid to share the gospel. I'm not afraid to be judged. I'm not afraid to love the unlovable. I'm not afraid to go to school and share my faith or to make that stand. Because God is in control and you've given us a mission. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.